the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, clave the wood for a burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder, and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand, and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself for a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his, son, his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. The title of the message tonight simply proving our faith, proving our faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word. I pray, Father, that we'd be encouraged and challenged and strengthened as we consider this uh, episode in the life of Abraham and Isaac. I pray that you would help us to learn and grow in our faith and in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior and uh, help us to increase our faith in his promises. Uh, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we think about this, I guess you would call a monumental episode in the life of the patriarch Abraham. It was a supreme test that Abraham faced by God. And of course, we need to remind ourselves that God has been working in the life of Abraham now for 40 or 50 years. Uh, and it's been a lifetime of ups and downs of trials and tests, past and failed. Uh, but God has always been faithful. Even though sometimes Abraham would fail to trust the Lord, God was always faithful to Abraham. Uh, you remember in, in, I think it's in chapter 20, he, he goes to Abimelech, to Ger, and of course, uh, because of a famine, and there... Uh, of course, he again lies about Sarah, and Abimelech had taken Sarah uh, into his house, but God warned Abimelech in a dream. God was faithful to Abraham, even though Abraham wasn't faithful uh, to him. And uh, God reminds us that God keeps his promises. You know, there are some precious promises in the Bible that we can lay claim to, and God will keep His promises. For example, in Isaiah chapter 42, verses 2 and 3, Isaiah 43, 
verses 1 through 3, it says, But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. For I have called thee by thy name, thou art. Say that too. God has called us by our name, and we are his. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, and Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Uh, so God has promised never to leave us. Uh, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, Let your conversation be without covetousness. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man should do unto me. God's promises are certain. You know, I like what it says in 2 Timothy two thirteen: If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. If God has made a promise to us, he will, he must keep it. Because God cannot lie. He will keep his promises, even if we aren't faith, even if we fail to trust him. You know, we, we call this process of ups and downs, trials and tests, growth. It's called growth. The person that's never challenged or never tried will not grow. It's the storms and the waves along the shores that make the stones smooth, that polish the stones. Uh, It's the rough seas that make good sailors. And it's the storms and trials of life that God uses, and and the promise is His word, to conform us into the image of His Son. We, We like to quote Romans 8, 28. Uh, how's it start? Somebody start. Huh? All things work together for good to them that love God. For them who are the called according to his purpose. All things. That's the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, all things uh, are, are given to us for our good that we might be conformed unto the image of his Son. You know, the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 16... <clears throat> that God uh, would try or test Israel to prove them. Exodus 16, verse 4, it says, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they walk in my law or not. So they're to gather a certain rate every day, only a certain rate, not too much. Not keep it over. And he said, I'm going to prove you whether you're going to obey me or not. If you, and, and, you know, some gathered a lot and tried to keep it over the next day, and it bred worms and stank. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and verse 16. Again, uh, he even suffered them to hunger. Uh, you know, the, the, the times that they run into times of hunger or thirst and there wasn't water were times to test and prove them. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart. Now, God didn't test them so that he would know what was in their heart. 
he proved him them to themselves to show them what was in thine their heart. You know, God allows tests to show us what we really are in our life. Whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Verse 16, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee. And, and so, you know, throughout the Bible we see that God tests or tempts or tries to prove, it is to prove his servants uh, and, and uh, to prove their faith and to grow their faith. I want to notice several things tonight from this passage. First of all, uh, to, to demonstrate our faith, we need a hearing ear, or we might say a hearing heart. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, which whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, took his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood and the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. So we see here that Abraham has an, an, uh, uh, hears the voice of God. He has an ear that is open to the voice of God. Now, obviously, this is not something that, from human standpoint, is comfortable or even makes sense. But in this point in his life, Abraham's ear, his heart is open, he's receptive, he's willing to obey the voice of the Lord. Uh, he didn't have his mind made up. You know, some people have their minds made up, don't confuse them with the facts. You know, no, no he, need, he heard, he listened, not with, just with his ear, but with his heart, with his will. Uh, look at Matthew. When it, this was the problem with the Pharisees. You know, Jesus used that uh, phrase over and over again about hearing. And uh, <clears throat> it wasn't an ear problem. It was a heart problem. Matthew 13 and verses 9 through 16. Oh, Jesus starts speaking in parables. <coughs> he says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered, Said of them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, he shall have more in abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, Be By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. And here's the problem. For this people's heart is wax gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, thus at any time they should hear with, see with their eyes and hear with their ears, should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should hear them. And so, you know, he speaks of the Pharisees here of having their ears closed and their eyes closed, and they, though they hear, they do not hear, because their heart is wax gross. Uh, we need to have a hearing heart. And by the way, 
A hearing heart brings the abundant blessings of God. If you notice in verse 12, Whosoever hath, well, who is it that hath? It's he that hears. Hears with the heart. To him shall be given, and he shall have more in abundance. And if you notice in verse 11, he answered and said unto them, to the disciples that is, it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it is not given. And we see another example of this in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 25. 2 Chronicles 25. This is brought out very clearly in the life of Amaziah. 2 Chronicles 25, in uh, verse 14, <clears throat> says, Now it came to pass, after that Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the children of Seir, set them up to be his gods, and bowed down himself before them, and burned incense unto them. Wherefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah, and he sent unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people, which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? And it came to pass, as he talked with him, that the king said unto him, Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear. Why shouldest thou be smitten? Then the prophet forbear, or as he stopped correcting him, or rebuking him, and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee, because thou hast done this, and hast not hearkened unto my counsel. Notice also verse 20. But Amaziah would not hear... For it came of God that he might deliver him into the hand of their enemies, because they sought after the gods of Edom. So here was a king who closed his ears to the voice of God. And you know, Proverbs 1.5 says, A wise man will hear and increase learning. He will, will hear and increase learning. And so Abraham we see here, is he has a hearing heart. He's listening. He's listening to the voice of God uh, and, and, and to his instructions to him. And he did not doubt uh, his, his command. But we see also an obeying walk. Uh, and notice two things here. First of all, he does obeying walk. You know, we do what the Lord reveals. Oh, it's Doing the will of God is doing what you know to be right now. Verse 3 says, Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. So God had told him, you go to a mountain, notice in verse 2, the end of that, which I will tell thee of. I will, and that's again, I will tell you when you get there. You know, that sounds like when he left Ur of the Chaldees. And he told him to go in the land that I will show thee. So he went out not knowing whither he went. In other words, he didn't know the end or his, he didn't know his destination. He didn't know where he was going to stop. The Lord directed him day by day until he got to the place where the Lord wanted him to be. And then the Lord said, this is it. This is the place. You look to the east, the west, the north, the south, and all this land will I give thee. But he didn't know when he left Ur of the Chaldees where his destination, of his destination. And so he said, I will, I will 
uh, a mountain that I will tell thee of. And he rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took his two young men with him and Isaac his son. And he went uh, to this mountain. See, God reveals to us his will as we obey him. He doesn't tell us. what God's will is, His will is for your life 10 years from now or 20 years from now. No, He reveals His will to us as we obey Him. Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16. <clears throat> John chapter 16 and verse 12. You know, just before he goes to the cross, you know, Jesus told him he's going to be crucified. And he, he makes this statement, John 16, 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. There's a lot of things I'd like to tell you, but you're not prepared for them. No, and you don't need to know them now. Couldn't you imagine Jesus saying at this point to Peter, Okay, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to be tried, and you're going to deny me during the trial three times. But in about 50 days, you will preach, and thousands will get saved. What do you think that had done to Peter? Or if he'd have told John, uh, John, you're, you're going to live and die a natural death. However, you're going to be boiled in oil and exiled on the Isle of Patmos. You know, if, if you knew what God's will is for your life 10 years from now, do you think that you would obey? Or you think you'd look forward to it or not? You see, we are to do what God reveals to us now. And we are to let the future to Him. You know, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33... Matthew 6 and verse 33. Uh, you know, of course, we know what the ultimate future is, but we don't know what's going to happen between now and when we get to heaven. And, and we're just to trust the Lord day by day uh, to direct our paths. But in Matthew 6, 34, it says this, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You see, if I'd have had uh, future vision into the things that would have happened in my life, there are some things I would not obey the Lord in. Because it didn't turn out the way we expected it to. I mean, there were things that didn't turn out the way John expected in his life. But we are to, you know, God reveals to us His will as we obey Him. So we are, we are to do what we know is His will right now. And we are to be submissive 
to the divine will. Completely submissive. Notice verse 12 says, And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. He has... He said, I see that you have not withheld thine only son. This was the dearest and the most precious thing that Abraham had in this world. And he didn't keep it from the Lord. There was nothing withheld. You know, what we withhold from God is really an idol. It's an idol. And you think about it, Sarah previously was an idol. He made an idol out of Sarah. So to protect her, or protect himself, or he really, I think he lied to protect himself. He he had made an idol out of himself. But here, the most precious thing to him, the thing that, that he had asked the Lord for, and that God had promised to him, uh, he does not withhold. He does not withhold. And we will never know the fullness and the power of blessing God as long as we put stipulations. Well, I'll serve you, but... In Matthew chapter 22, Matthew 22, in verse 37, of course the Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. See, God is to have preeminence in our life. We are to forsake, you know, as Peter said in Matthew 19, Lord, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What do we have? And Jesus said to him, If any man leave houses, father or mother, houses or lands for my sake, he receive a hundredfold and inherit everlasting life. And of course we see that the Lord Jesus Christ, this is an example of Christ here, that he left he left all that he had for our sake. Uh, in in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Of course, he is the greatest example of submission, of which Isaac is a, is a type. It's, it's interesting. Now, some people, if you, if you, would, if you would look at uh, um, pictures, drawn pictures of Abraham offering Isaac, what you often see is uh, this grown man offering this boy. But... According to the chronology in the Bible, he wasn't just a boy. And he obeyed his father 
evidently, and in, in laying on that altar. And, of course, Abraham tied him. But we see here that Abraham was submissive to the will of the, will of the Lord and offered, willing to offer that which was most precious to him. And here's the reason why. This is the third thing. He believed God would supply his need. He believed God. He didn't blindly offer him. Notice verses 5 five and verse 8. There's a couple things here I want you to notice. Verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I, notice this, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again. So the young man that went with him, he said, Okay, you stay here. Isaac and I are going over here to worship, and then we are coming back. I and the lad will go yonder to worship, and we'll come again. Then verse 8. You know, Isaac again asks, Okay, where's the lamb? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. So Abraham, you know, God had made a promise to Abraham that he was going to have a son by Sarah, and through that son, his seed would be as the stars of heaven. So now he asks him, or tells him, to go offer this son upon an altar that I will tell thee of. And Abraham obeys the word of the Lord and endeavors to offer Isaac, believing that God in some way, is going to raise him back to life. And what was, again, what was the basis of his belief? Well, look at chapter 17 and verses 15 through 19. This is the basis of Abraham's belief. It's the word of God. It's the word of the Lord. Uh, Chapter 17, verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her, her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Or Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And then again in chapter 18 and verse 10, And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. So Abraham, his, the basis of his belief that he and Isaac would go and worship and come again, the basis of that was God's word to him. God said, Sarah indeed shall have a son, and I will make my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. You see... 
This demonstrates to us that Abraham believed the word of the Lord. He believed in the resurrection. Look at, and it, and the page, by the way, the resurrection isn't a New Testament, just a New Testament teaching. It's taught in the Old. Look at uh, Job chapter 19. Job believed in a resurrection. Job chapter 19. Job chapter 19, verse 25 says, Job says, For I know, Job 19, 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. That's the second coming of Christ right there. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh, I'm going to get another body, in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. See, Job believed in resurrection. He believed he was going to get another body. And he believed in the second coming of Christ. We go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and... The Bible tells us there what Abraham believed when he was willing to offer Isaac. Abraham, or, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. You know, again, the, 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 he, the writer of Hebrews here identifies Isaac as a unique son. He was. He was the son of his old age. They were both up in years. He was the promised son. He was the was, uh, uh, unique in his own way, not like Christ, but, but he was. And it was through him that his seed shall be called, verse 18, and Abraham believed that God would raise him from the dead. He believed that God would supply his need. You know what God asks of us? We need to believe that God will supply our needs. Somebody said, supplying our needs is God's work. And we need to leave it to him. Following him is our responsibility. It's our privilege. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, you know, Paul endured hardships and difficulties during his life of ministry, of following the Lord. But Second Corinthians 12, verse 9, he says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. Uh, he wrote to the church of Philippi and said, God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, Brother Hoyle brought out this morning in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And you know, as he, he was talking about that this morning, I thought, you know, covetousness 
is the fruit of not being content with what God has given us. We're not content with what God's given us, so we covet. Or we're not trusting God. We're not depending upon Him. God has promised to supply our needs. But sometimes, He will test us to prove us. Just as he tested Abraham, God did tempt Abraham, again, to prove him. He, he, he tested the children of Israel to prove them, to prove them. And sometimes God will allow us through trials and tests to prove us. whether we will trust in Him or not. And so, we need to believe God in the difficult times, through the trials and tests of life. We need to trust God. Simply obey Him and trust Him to meet our every need. You know, if, if, if our needs are not met... As a child of God, I think there's one or two things evident. Number one, it's not a need. Either it's not a need or not in the will of God. Because God promised to supply all our needs. Uh, In John chapter 6 and verse 40, John 6 and verse 40, the... uh, That's not the verse I wanted. Um, Go to Titus. Titus chapter. And God's, you know, grace is not only sufficient for our needs, for our salvation, but it's sufficient for our growth as well. Titus chapter 2 and verses 11 uh, through 13. Titus 2.11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. You know, there's a lot of people that are saying today, Well, you just can't do it. You can't build a church and preach holiness, God of living, standards, and all those things. But isn't that denying the grace of God? I realize we're living in, I believe we're living in the last times where people just choose not to believe God and obey Him. But if we want the fullness of the blessing of God, we want to have that intimate relationship with the Lord that He desires of us, we are to obey Him, to obey His Word. And so, Abraham... It says, 
He believed God. You know, Romans tells us he believed God. It was accounted unto him for righteousness. We just need to believe God. We just need to trust him. And obey his word. And allow him to supply our needs. To allow him to build his church. To allow him to lead us and direct us in our lives. Uh, and to meet every need that we have. Uh, God is faithful that promised. You know, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. And so we need to trust in our God who will keep his promises to us.